Well, good morning and welcome to another service from Cornerbrook Baptist. This may be occurring at the, at the end of the current alert level. And there is some bright news on the horizon that as early as one more week, we can go back to, to meeting inside of the church with some interesting restrictions. But we will inform you fully as we get close to that period of time and as our plans develop in the near future as well. Well, today it is Father's Day, and it is always a delight to offer you something with a father in the background. And today I want to speak to you with just a snippet of a verse, I will arise and go. A Father's Day turns my mind towards Luke chapter 15. No surprise. I've heard scores of messages on the prodigal son, but I want to challenge you with another facet of this fascinating story. The odds were against this boy ever getting up. The son in Luke 15 had taken so bad a beating that it seemed his only recourse might have been to stay in the pig pen. If there had been one parable of Jesus, I would have personally loved to have heard. It is this story. I'd love to have watched the expression of the grim religionists as Jesus used compassion to oil the hinges of the doors to the gates of the kingdom of God for publicans and sinners to come home. I may have taken a little bit of glee when the Pharisees squirmed as the elder brother was introduced and profiled and they realized that Jesus was very likely talking to them. Now, Jesus was a keen preacher. He had a powerful grasp of the areas of life where people experience heartache. The parable of the prodigal son is a powerful look at a problem that has never gone out of existence. In reading this account from Luke chapter 15, maybe you, like myself, have wondered about the distant coast or the far-off region where the boy went to escape those tame and boring surroundings of family fields and menial work. Far could have been Rome, as far away as there, a city that was drunk on debauchery and high on its own importance as the imperial capital. It could just as easily have been Corinth, which sported every opportunity to waste your fortune on what the scriptures call riotous living. If he made it as far as the Greek peninsula, he might have found the pig farms just outside a city like Corinth. These places were capable of breaking a person down to their lowest level of living. Perhaps in one of the hearts of the people who listened to Jesus, there was a person who had fallen from a place of honor in a good family to the story state of dragging himself home in rags, bankrupt in soul and in pocket. Perhaps this person had lost their reputation and their own self-respect by indulging in an occupation that no Hebrew boy had ever sent anyone a resume to obtain. Let me say that the power of the story is in the fact that the boy came back. He came all the way home. And in this account, Jesus found an opportunity to close the gap between people and a God they didn't know or understand. When he was finished, he would have set forth the truth of salvation. Jesus had a, 
had a peculiar way of drawing people to God by means of a touching story. And one phrase is all we need in this one. Luke 15 and 20. So he got up and went to his father. As many times as I have gleaned something from this account, this is the first time I've ever grappled with the power of a home. I know that this young man could not create enough distance to eradicate the memory of his home. It is true he had dishonored his father, very likely his family, and he'd wasted his inheritance. And perhaps his brother was right that he'd squandered his money on prostitutes. It was true he'd endured famine. It's true he ended up in the pig pen. But it's supremely true that the memory of home proved stronger than the agony of poverty and the smell of the pigsty. In fact, the power of the home will prove to be stronger than the pool of hell. This seriously adrift young man awakened one day and said to himself, here's his speech, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, here's this rehearsed speech. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. You know, children sometimes have a way of anchoring themselves to drifting ships. They have a way of being moored in places that we know are not safe for them. This boy anchored himself to the fleeting money his father gave him. But in a short period of time, this anchor was lost. His resources were depleted. And home exerted a call on his soul. When the anchor was lost, there was no access any longer to debauchery. He no longer had friends who took him from place to place. These vultures moved on to rip the flesh from another unsuspecting victim. The cesspool where he floundered left him alone and stinking, and in this state, his sanity returned. His reason probed his soul after he was stripped of everything. His excesses left him naked and exposed, and he cried out suddenly, what am I doing here? An unseen cord from his past began to pull him to safety. He turned around and caught sight of a place where security and stability could be found. He cast his eyes upon the home he left behind him. It would be the greatest of tragedies today, folks, if our children had no memory to draw them back. I'm sure none of us will admit that our home was ideal or even is ideal. Some of us can identify with this type of place. A woman was at home doing some cleaning when the telephone rang. In going to answer it, she tripped on a scatter rug and grabbing for something to hold on to, seized a telephone table. It fell over with a crash, jarring receiver off the hook. As it fell, it hit the family dog who leaped up howling and barking. The woman's three-year-old son, who was startled by this noise, broke into loud screams. The woman mumbled some colorful words. She finally managed to pick up the receiver and lift it to her ear, just in time to hear her husband's voice on the other end say, Nobody said hello yet, but I'm positive I have the right number. 
Now, there are different types of homes. One is a home where people live together for economic reasons. It's convenient. You can eat there, you can drink there, and serve other biological functions. It's good for storing things in, a place to keep your stuff. Another takes the form of a school where instruction and discipline is administered. A third is the home where people speak to each other and share, share their interests. These people feel good about each other. Maybe home can be a com combination of all these. But the fourth home is where God is honored. But it's still real life. It's a challenging environment. It's a home where there's an understanding of a divine presence that holds everything together. And in this home, two worlds combine. It has reason, but it has order. It has godly direction, but still has human comfort. Now, the prodigal son awakened one morning with a decision made. And his decision is simple. It's better at home than it is here. The boy also recognized that he didn't deserve to be able to go back home. He confessed that he was not worthy to be called his father's son. He went to a better place content now only to be a hired servant, not a son. He'd had his fill of the coarseness and the emptiness of the world that he'd adopted. In all of it, and after it had passed, the home drew him and he swallowed his pride and shouldered his shame and said, I will arise and go back. The most profound thought I have of this story is this. He went back home, folks, because he could. Because he knew the character of the man who led the home. Now that sense of belonging in us is created by God. Any person who has to live with a sense of isolation or alienation has to endure what is really an unnatural condition. We have learned a great deal about that in these recent days. The isolation has nearly driven us crazy. It's natural to feel generosity. It's natural to feel love, and it's natural to have learned the foundations of faith in that place called home. The boy trekked home armed with two certainties. He knew that his home was better, was more stable, and secondly, he knew a disconcerting sense of wrongness about his life that he could not allow to continue. You see, if we build a home with that kind of knowledge, we have created a door through which our children will someday have to walk. If we fostered a relationship with heaven and included our children, we have installed a compass in them to the point that they too can say, I will go to my father. You see, it's the father whom the son goes back to. And Jesus is making a powerful point here. His employer in the story, a citizen of that country, sent him lower. He sent him into a pig pen to feed swine, and it's telling what his life became. No one showed him any kind of charity, but it was the father who awakened his need. There came a moment in the boy's life when he was disgusted with his own existence. This is a portrait of spirit-born conviction. And rather than being a negative, there's a wonderful point for a person to reach. The prodigal, when Jesus describes him, 
longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. When he wanted what the pigs had, he knew he'd hit the bottom. And home had painted a beautiful portrait in his soul. The strong sense of belonging he had left behind and buried somewhat in his own rebellion penetrated his loss of esteem. It exceeded the filth and the excess which drove him into the pit and it pointed him back in the direction from which he'd come. (coughs) This story has the potential of becoming a family tragedy. What if the father had not been waiting What if the home had not been a place that awakened his sense of loss? This boy's empty life and his sordid lifestyle preached an eloquent sermon to his soul. His faith arose and this boy, believe it or not, became a convert of his own preaching. His faith was very well placed. Back home, you know the story. He was tearfully embraced, he was welcomed, and he was protected. It's no wonder that the publicans and the sinners flocked to to Jesus. The father and a home that Jesus described gave them, first of all, access. It regenerated them. It took them from one state and turned them into quite another state. That's regeneration. It reached into their lives, and for centuries, prodigals have come home. I want you to believe something with me as a father. Remember when we brought our children before an altar to be dedicated or to be christened? We had no idea how the years would roll by so quickly. We had hopes and dreams for our children, but no guarantees. Some of us were prodigals, and some of them are prodigals today. Some of us have had broken hearts, and we've waited by the gate for a return as earthly fathers. But God himself keeps this vigil with us. Jesus painted this portrait of his father for the world to see. The home was God's idea in the beginning, and the home will outlive every government, every church, every campus, every job, and every hellish place that beckons to children today. God is eternal. And what he constructs has the ability to survive and prosper. Home sweet home is not a cliche. It represents a powerful fortress. To young parents, let me say this to you. Plant those indestructible seeds today. To older parents who wait, I say trust in the power of a godly home. Someday a son or a daughter will want to find a place of security. Their world may have crumbled or they may have crumbled inwardly And they will have a memory of a place and a time. And they will say, I will arise and go. Some of them will even say, Father, I have sinned. And then a celebration will begin. How do I know any of this is true? Is it more than just a story? For all of my years of ministry, I've watched prodigals make their way home. It's always amazing. I have watched undeserving people find the father waiting at the gate. They've come home at all ages and in all conditions. And in nearly every single case, someone planted a seed 
in a child's life or in a young person's life. It was watered by the grace of God and nourished by his providence, and it reaped a harvest of confession and redemption. Watchman Nee tells about a new convert who came to him in deep distress. Here's what he said to him. No matter how much I pray, no matter how hard I try, I simply cannot seem to be faithful to my Lord. I think I'm losing my salvation. Watchman Nee said, do you see this dog here? He's my dog. He's house trained. He never makes a mess. He's obedient. He's a pure delight to me. Now, out in the kitchen, I have a son, a baby son. He makes a mess. He throws food around. He fouls his clothes. Sometimes he's a total mess. But who's going to inherit my kingdom? Not my dog. My son is my heir. Let me say to you today, you are Christ's heir because it is for you that Christ died. The world is adept at turning out prodigals. It does so in a variety of means. Our world system is so good at breaking people down, but it's not so skilled at bringing them to what the home represents, security and belonging in a good place. If I'd been among the group this day that Luke calls publicans and sinners, the people that hung on the edges of the crowd who knew what they were, and when Jesus began to tell this story, and certainly when he finished, I would have felt the radiant smile of Almighty God. And that smile has not diminished. See, the parable of the prodigal son teaches us that we are the heirs of Christ not through our perfection, not by never messing up, not by always being right, but by means of walking towards his welcoming and embracing grace. And I trust your Father's Day will be a happy one and that if you are a prodigal, you will find your way home. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, thank you for the certainty of the gospel. Thank you for the power of homes. But more than any of these things, thank you for the power of God. The apostle says, when we were dead in trespasses and sins, Christ died for us. When we were without hope in this world, you gave your son for us. Today, I pray that someone in this audience of people who view or listen would find their way back to God through Jesus Christ. I pray that they will prove that there is a Father waiting at the gate for them. May there be celebrations in heaven today because people have turned to you with their whole heart. We know that only you could make this happen. We know only you makes it possible through Jesus Christ. And so we bless you. And thank you that on this Father's Day 2020, we have a Heavenly Father who cares for us and loves us enough to give us a sacrifice 
It takes away our sins and grants us eternal life and peace with God. And in the name of your Son, Father, we thank you and bless you. Amen.